Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. If you would like to participate in online worship, sermons, and children's programs, then check out the Renaissance Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, let's get started. Hey, good morning, Renaissance. My name is Tiffany Daniel, and if we haven't met before, I'm the Family Ministry Director here at REN. Uh, When Jeff asked me to speak, um, this time there was no clear direction or topic that he had given me. Last time I had an opportunity to talk to the church, it was to help them discover ways that they could care for orphan and vulnerable children. That topic was pretty easy for me. It's something that I have experience with. It's something that's near and dear to my heart, but this time with no clear direction, all I could do was turn to God and pray and ask Him to give me some instruction. So with that, it's exactly what I did. I prayed and I asked God what He might want me to speak about. The only thing I heard Him say was hope. Talk about hope in Jesus. And to be honest, this was way back in February, before there was any talk of a worldwide pandemic affecting us. And so this idea of hope, I thought, sounded kind of generic, kind of basic. I wasn't really sure what direction he would want me to go in, simply because I thought it was something that people have heard a lot about before. So I kind of scoffed at the idea of that. But as time went on and I put off writing this sermon, I put off being obedient to what God had asked me to do, things in our world began to ramp up rather quickly. And this thing that we saw happen on the other side of the world now became part of our world. And again, this is way back in February, and I was preparing for a Sunday service like I normally would be, and in the matter of a few hours, everything was canceled. And then we were asked to stay home if we could, and then we were ordered to stay home, which is where we still are today. My job looked differently. I was now writing scripts and recording a children's online service. My role as a mom looked different. I was now their teacher, which was frankly a job I never signed up to do. Basically everything in our world was flipped upside down. Even going to the grocery store was something that was new and different and frankly a little bit scarier. I felt this wave of emotions. At first I was annoyed that things were changing so drastically. I'm not someone that handles change that well. But then I also felt fearful. I was fearful that things were so uncertain and so unknown. I was fearful for family members who are considered high risk. And I was just fearful that things were so uncertain and the future uh, was so unclear for all of us. Then in the midst of all of this, God reminded me what he spoke to me several weeks before, that super generic, that super basic word, hope. And this time I had to laugh because God knew that when I would be speaking would be in the middle of this worldwide pandemic. And he knew what people would need to hear now more than ever is that message of hope and not just any hope though, but hope that can only be found in Jesus. So that's what I want to share with you guys today. I want to share with you what hope is and what it looks like. So let's pray before we get started. God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to come together once again, God. I thank you for the technology to be able to meet, even though we're not able to meet in a building, God. 
Lord, I pray that you be with us today, God. I pray that you have us, you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you would have us to see, God. Lord, I pray that you give us peace in the middle of the situation, God, and that you help order our days. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I first sought out the definition of hope. I'm no stranger to using words that I think I have a clear understanding of, only to find out later that it's a word that I've been uh, misusing pretty much my whole life. So when I was searching to see what the definition of hope was, your basic dictionary definition is a feeling of expectation and a desire for a certain thing to happen. So that seems super accurate in my understanding of what hope is. But as I'm continuing to search, just making sure that I'm thorough, I came across Wikipedia, which is honestly not a source that I usually seek out, but it's always just there. Wikipedia is there. And this time though, the definition did stand out to me. They define it as an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or the world at large. So let me be clear about why that particular definition stood out to me. It has nothing to do with optimism. I believe hope is a lot more than just being optimistic, which we'll talk more about that. But the reason why this definition stood out to me is because it mentions the world at large. In our lifetime, we've never experienced something that's having an impact on every single person in the entire world at the same time. This is no small trivial thing. Whether you believe in the severity of it or not, whether you believe our government is making wise choices, this is still having a significant impact on our lives. So now more than ever is when we need to put our hope in Jesus. So what does it look like to put our hope in Jesus? For some people, myself included, this has opened up a whole new level of understanding what it means to put our hope in Jesus versus what it means to put our hope in the world. Our world and whatever hope we may have had in it has been flipped on its head. Everything that used to bring us comfort, like maybe a Sunday meal at grandma's house is no longer an option for us. And everything that used to be consistent in our lives, like getting to go to church every single Sunday is no longer available to us. Now, I already confess that I am really not good with change. When things started changing so drastically in the beginning, I really tried to dig my heels in and kind of threw a gigantic fit. It's just really hard for me. The one thing I could count on though, the one thing that was solid and unchanging that really got me through was Jesus. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As believers, we understand that he is the one solid, unchanging thing in our lives. When the world is falling apart around us, we can count on him. Jesus is unchanging in a world that is changing rapidly. Now, this idea of hope is something that I've thought a lot about before. I know it's in the scriptures. I know the Bible is full of stories that talk about hope. And so based on my memory of them, as I was searching the scriptures, I came across passages that I thought were talking about hope, but the word they actually used was faith. Now, we speak about faith and hope interchangeably as if they're the same thing. But in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, and now these three remain, faith, 
hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So I thought that was interesting. It's drawing a distinction between faith and hope. So I wondered and I thought to myself, what's the difference between faith and hope and does it matter? So hope is a firm assurance regarding things that are unknown. So how much hope are we having in these times of such great uncertainty? As Christians, we have faith. It takes great faith to believe. Faith is a complete trust or confidence in something. Faith involves intellectual assent to a set of facts, and they trust in those facts. And as Christians, we believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, that He died on a cross for our sins, and that He rose again. Those things are not anything that we have firsthand knowledge of, but we believe in the Bible, we believe the words that were spoken, and we trust in them. Belief in God, though, is not what sets us apart. The Bible is very clear that even the demons believe and they shudder. And this is found in James chapter 2. I'm going to read James chapter 2, 14 through 19. James is talking to his audience about faith and deeds and the distinction between the two. So starting out in 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So awful. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. So this does not mean that we can do anything to earn our salvation. But James is saying that true faith should have an impact on our lives. True faith should have an impact on the way that we think and the way that we act. And I would argue the same is true for hope. Without hope, we live a life like the rest of the world, so shaken by the circumstances happening around us. We're no longer full of that firm assurance of things that are unclear or uncertain, which is basically everything in our world right now. And hope in Jesus is what brings about that peace into our lives. Just believing in Him does not bring about that same hope. Our belief has to go deeper than just knowing that God is real. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, again, meaning we've done nothing to earn our salvation, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So 
in this time of great suffering, whether you're suffering from a job loss, suffering from not being able to be with a loved one because they're sick and you can't be there with them, or suffering in isolation, not having that community around you, God says that there's still a reason to rejoice. And I know that this is a sensitive topic to talk about uh, balancing hope with all of these complex emotions, but God can handle it. He's not calling us to deny any of our emotions or our feelings. He's asking us to draw into him into these times. Jesus is our greatest example. And he said to mourn with those who mourn. And Jesus even wept at the death of Lazarus, knowing that he would be the one to bring him back from the dead. I'm a firm believer that God gave us our emotions, all of our emotions and we don't have to turn those off. We're allowed to process how we feel with God because he can handle it. But we can still have hope in spite of all of those emotions. We can feel sadness and still know that God has a plan. We can be angry at our situation all while knowing that God is in control. I believe that we need to bring all of these feelings to God, that we need to balance our hope with our emotions. If we let our emotions just take control of us, they can become the thing that we choose to dwell on and focus on instead of the hope that God has to offer us. When we put our hope in the world, that peace we feel is only temporary. Now we understand as Christians that God is the one that provides for us, that God is the one that gives us all of our opportunities, but it can be hard to see that when we're the ones that are in control of so much. We may have had a lot of hope in the stock market, for instance, a lot of hope that it was really gonna come through for us in the time when we needed it the most, or a lot of hope in our awesome job that it pays the bills, it puts food on our table, and maybe even a little bit extra. But when those things are taken from us or even threatened to be taken from us, we should still have that peace in our life. And a lot of us have felt that peace be shaken during these times. This is a great opportunity to evaluate your priorities and to discover where your hope really lies. Because like I said, this hasn't at all made me question whether God is real. Because as Christians, we have great faith. But it has made me question who I'm truly relying on for my strength and comfort. When things are going well for me, I don't typically question why they're going well. I just know that I feel good about it though. When those things are taken though, I should still feel that peace in my life. And it doesn't mean that I don't feel things like fear or worry, but I quickly put those in check because I have that hope or that firm assurance in Jesus even when I don't have the whole thing figured out. It's in trying times that God tends to shine a magnifying glass on our lives. It's the best time to reflect on how much hope you truly have in Jesus versus how much hope you had in the world. I picture it as kind of like a hope tank, and you can choose to allow God to fill that or the things of the world. 
Now I know in my own personal walk with God, there have been ebbs and flows. There are times in my life that I feel so connected to God that I just have this superhuman strength running through my veins. And then there are other times I feel more disconnected and distant from Him. And it's in those times when things start to come up in my life that I feel less than hopeful. I start to feel panicky and I try to take control and I don't feel that peace. Hope is what brings about that peace in our lives. No matter what we're facing, we can be confident that God is on the throne, that He has a plan and a purpose, and that He will use all things, all things for His glory. When you have that peace, your thoughts and your attitudes are much different. Just like what James talks about as we develop in our faith, it should be more than a belief, but it should truly impact our lives because hope is what gets us through the hard days. And honestly, I believe it's that thing that truly sets us apart from the rest of the world. Jeff talked last week about being the salt and the light of the earth, that Jesus calls us to be the salt of the world. I believe that our lives are meant to be such a reflection of Jesus that when other people look at us, that they desire what we have that they don't. And in times like this, how valuable could that be? When the world is trying to fill their hope tank, but they look out in the world and it's empty and chaotic and uncertain, but they can look at Christians and see that we still have that hope in these uncertain times. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to simply uh, smack a smile on our face and just pretend like everything is good. We're, we don't have to be perfect at this. In fact, I have people that I'm very close to that struggle with mental health or they're in recovery from addiction, and this has been extremely difficult for them and a lot of other people. But I see those same people showing up every single day and fighting for that hope that they know is in God and God alone. We all have our own battles that we're facing, but I promise you that God can show up in all of it. And when you know, you know. I'm sure there are a lot of you out there that can relate and you know what it's like to be full of hope in difficult circumstances. But if you're out there though and you have no idea what I'm talking about, I wonder if you've truly felt that hope in Jesus. And maybe you do believe. It takes great faith to believe, but it's the hope that gets us through. Here in a few minutes, before we close, I want to pray a powerful prayer that we will all be filled with that hope. Before we do, though, I want to finish my time here by talking about some practical ways that we might be able to fill that hope tank. There's no magical formula, but I truly believe that the Bible is a gift to us and that if we choose to use it and choose to focus on the words that God gave us, that they can be powerful tools in our life. Just like preparing for the sermon, I was putting it off and part of the reason was because I wanted God to just drop the paper in my lap uh, perfectly well thought out, well said, 12 point font paper. And I knew it was his words and it would be effortless and easy. Or at the very least, maybe he would just start filling my mind with the words that he wanted me to say. It's never happened like that before, but I still ask every single time. And it's not until I choose to be obedient. It's not until I choose to clear my schedule that I begin to prepare my mind and pray and physically sit down and start considering what he would have me to say. And that's when he meets me where I am. And I, can, I believe that he can do the same for all of us. So everything that I have to share with you today is straight 
from scripture. The first one comes from 2 Corinthians 10.5, and it's to take every thought captive. I take this verse very seriously. And there was a time that I was super diligent about taking my thoughts captive. Um, there's a pretty famous saying that we are all our own worst critics, and that can begin to wreak havoc on us. There are millions of thoughts that come into our mind every single day. And if we're not serious and intentional about questioning what we're thinking about, it can be super powerful. It can begin to change the way we think about ourselves, the way we think about others, the way we act. But more importantly, it can stop us from doing a lot of things. I picture it as a Jesus filter. Every thought that comes into my mind comes through that filter. And I'm in charge of questioning that thought, and I'm in charge of what I choose to do with that thought that comes into my brain. It doesn't mean that it always has to feel good, because sometimes God's instruction doesn't always feel good, but I question the thoughts that come in there. And sometimes, this takes a lot of practice. You have to put this into practice because it's not natural to question those thoughts because we have so many thoughts that are coming in and out. And some days are going to be easier than others. Some days you're going to have to actually picture yourself taking that thought captive and physically handing it over to God. The next thing comes from Philippians 4.8. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. This for me goes along with taking your thoughts captive. The things that we choose to see and dwell on are going to be the loudest voices in our mind. Now, this doesn't mean to be closed off from the rest of the world. Of course, there's corruption and there are bad things happening all around us. There are bad things happening before this pandemic and there will be bad things happening after this pandemic. But we need to be aware of all of it. God is asking us to draw our attention to those things that he's made all around us that are beautiful, that we can choose to look at. Um, for some people, it might be nature. For other people, it could be music. Uh, some things are more simple than others, but God has given us beautiful things to look at and to remind ourselves to be relaxed and to truly understand that God really is in control and that the world isn't all bad. The next thing I want to share with you is prayer. There are a lot of sermons and sermon series and books out there that talk about prayer. Uh, this is going to be a much more simple version. In its basic form, prayer is simply communication with God. In all of our relationships that we have, it takes communication to make that relationship strong. When you're going through something, the good, the bad, the ugly, you share it with the people that you're closest with. You share it with the people that are around you, with the people that you love. And God is asking us to do the same thing. Oh, it doesn't mean you have to stop everything you're doing to pray all day, every day, but the Bible does say to pray without ceasing, to pray without stopping, to pray when you're doing the dishes, to pray when you're on that walk or doing the laundry. Whatever you may be doing, you can be in constant communication with prayer. You can bring your needs to God, but then also listen to the instruction that God may have for you. And the last thing I want to leave you with is Sabbath. 
I'm not gonna pretend to be an expert on this topic, and frankly, I'm pretty terrible at this. As I learn more about, about it, though, I'm realizing what an amazing gift from God this is. And this one, to be more clear, is actually a commandment. And I believe it's a commandment that we don't take very seriously. And I, I think we don't take it very seriously for two reasons. First, I don't think we see the immediate effect on our lives. When we choose not to take a Sabbath, we don't usually relate it to the, the bad things that may be happening, happening to us. When we might feel overworked or overstressed, I've never thought to myself, maybe it's because I'm not taking a Sabbath. Um, the other reason is because it's so countercultural. Our culture is constantly telling us to do more, to do it bigger, to do it better, to do that side hustle, to take on one more activity, to squeeze in one more thing. And it can also be, it can kind of be seen as laziness to maybe take a rest, to take a Sabbath. But God is literally inviting us to rest. We tell ourselves that if we had more time in the day, maybe if we had more five hours, five more hours in the day, that we could accomplish so much more. Um, I heard a pastor talking about this recently, though, and he said that's not true at all. We would take that five hours and fill it with even more things and then still be asking for more time. And I don't know what the Sabbath would look like for you. It will look different for everyone. We're all in different ages and stages of our life. But the one thing that I've learned from all of this, this whole slowing down has been so good for me. I knew I was doing too much, but it truly felt impossible to stop. And now we're all in a giant timeout. Whether you're working or not, there are no extracurricular activities, no concerts, nowhere to go. And some of us are still choosing to fill that time with whatever we can get our hands on. But I want to invite you to take a rest. The world is in a gigantic pause right now, and God is truly asking us to rest. I also know a lot of people are considering what the new normal might look like. Once things open back up again, what could that look like in our lives? And a lot of people are saying they don't want to go back to what it used to be like. They're starting to realize that what we consider normal maybe wasn't that normal at all. So today, I hope you'll consider where you're placing your hope, whether it's in the world or it truly is in God. And I hope that you'll consider taking some of these simple steps of obedience to, to start to fill that hope tank today. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your words, God. Lord, I thank you for being present in our lives. Lord, I pray that we take this opportunity that we're in right now, no matter how crazy and chaotic and uncertain it may look, God, and I pray that we turn our attention to you, Lord. I pray that you will begin to fill us overflowing with that hope that only you have to offer, God. Help us to reprioritize our lives, God, to put you first and foremost, God. We've always asked for more time. We've always um, wanted less distractions, God, to be able to focus on you. And here it is, God. And Lord, I pray that we seize this opportunity, God, that we truly are looking to you for our, as our source of strength and comfort. And Lord, I pray that you continue to speak to us throughout this day, throughout this week, God, ways in which we can truly turn our focus and attention on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Podcast. 
I hope that God has spoken to you through this message and that you're encouraged to continue pursuing Him. If you would like to get connected with what's going on here at Renaissance, then find us on social media or visit us online at rendicator.org. Remember to check out the Renaissance Church at Home page for online worship, sermons, and children's programs that are being offered during the COVID-19 outbreak.